Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. guys it's jessica here i am doing a random podcast today that just came to me kind of as i was driving home from living my life and you know driving around town um i had this thought of wanting to do a podcast about uh basically like the things that i've learned recently which i will talk about um about how to be flexible and lean into the uncertainty and changes that come in life. So let's just dive right in. So in 2019, no, sorry, 2019 is when I had my baby. 2020, obviously things kind of changed um, for a lot of people and that's not at all what I'm going to be talking about. That's obviously like a big curveball, but what happened was in July of last year, um, I got pregnant and it was exciting because it was what we call a spontaneous pregnancy. Um, I had actually already called the fertility center and set up an appointment to meet with my doctor and talk about whether we wanted to do another egg retrieval, if we wanted to do a transfer. Um, we were going to figure all that out. And turns out while I was talking to her, I was already pregnant, which was very exciting. Um, but I went in to the office to do a blood draw because I was like officially back to being one of their patients since I had called to uh, start my cycle. So the day I was supposed to start doing things for, um, I think we were going to do an egg retrieval was what we had decided. Um, So as I was about to like start doing, I was about to start taking birth control so that I could do um, an egg retrieval. I actually that day ended up going in doing a blood draw. Um, my HCG was really low. It was like a 49 or something, which if you don't know, you don't know, but if you do know, then you know that that's like, okay, not good. Um, so I was kind of just like, okay, well, you know, let's stay positive. It's not over until it's over, but like the likelihood is not great and whatnot. Um, they wanted me to come back and do another blood draw in two days. So I went in two days later, I did another blood draw and the numbers were in the normal range for like that time period. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, um, I had been worried cause I'd had some cramping the night before. So I thought I was going to miscarry, but, um, I was, I ended up being fine. And so I was like, oh, we have good numbers. You know, I'll just try and be positive for the rest of the day <laughs> because by that night I had started spotting and I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to miscarry now. So I ended up miscarrying, I thought. Um, I had a full period. I mean, it took like three days to like really get started, I guess I should say, which is what happened with my other miscarriage too. Kind of like is a few days of like, maybe at any moment this bleeding will stop and wouldn't that be nice? But also knowing that it's not going to, it's just going to continue to escalate. So, um, and then I had, I had a full period, like I thought I had 
bled everything out. And then I was just kind of having like light spotting after. And I was like, well, it's a miscarriage is like different, you know, whatever. And so through this, I was having um, blood draws and my numbers were kind of like going up, but not high in any way, shape or form. Um, and so I was diagnosed with a chemical pregnancy and I was like, okay, cool. Um, you know, and by that time that we had decided it was a chemical pregnancy, I was like done with the majority of the bleeding and whatnot. And so I had really come to terms with it and what, whatnot. Um, and so for me, it was not like a big deal because I was like, okay, this is just like a very clear sign that we are supposed to do an egg retrieval and do a transfer. And like, that's how I'm going to get pregnant because even when I do get pregnant spontaneously, like my body still can't get it together. And so, and those are the words that I thought in my mind was my body just can't get it together. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. I can like really accept it. I ended up um, going to the emergency room a couple of days after I started miscarrying, like only like three or four days after I started miscarrying because I thought it might be ectopic, which was very terrifying to me because I actually only have one ovary. Um, and so I did not want to lose that tube and lose a chance at like getting pregnant. Whatever, you know, it's like a very, cause you're like, but weren't you going to do an egg retrieval? It's like a, it's a thing. <laughs> like if you, just just imagine that you're going to lose all ability to ever get pregnant spontaneously. And it was like a very scary thought. So, and I didn't want to lose my ovary specifically because then we could not do another egg retrieval. And so I was like very terrified that um, I would lose my ovary. So I went to the emergency room during COVID, you know, I'm like, Hey, I think I have a possible ectopic. Cause I was having like pretty severe pain that was making me nauseous, which to me, that's like my meter. If you've never had pain, that's so bad. That makes you nauseous. Like that's wonderful. I have had it many times in my life at this point now, and it is not fun anytime. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm like really in pain. I should go to the emergency room. So I spent the night in the emergency room. They did an ultrasound, did blood work and my blood work had gone, like my HCG had started to drop. So I was like, okay, cool. My body is finally registering that this pregnancy is over because for me, I couldn't move forward in any treatments until I had a zero HCG. So I was like, it was really annoying that my HCG just kept going up and whatnot. So it was up, but not high enough to be like a real pregnancy. So I'm in the emergency room, you know, I'm like miscarrying. People are not really understanding that they're kind of like, halfway understanding like possible ectopic, but they don't know that I'm like, I thought I was like fully like pretty much done with miscarrying. And, you know, it was very confusing night and my husband wasn't there because you can't bring people because of COVID. So I was like not expressing myself well. And I felt really dumb for being there because obviously during COVID, like people need the emergency room more than I do and whatnot. Um, and there's, you know, there's like people writhing on the ground with kidney stones and I can relate to that. And I'm like, you guys deserve this room more than me, but they came in, they did an ultrasound. Um, and he saw what's called the corpus luteum, which is basically where the egg ovulates from the follicle where the egg comes from. And then it stays open apparently. I didn't know this. And like, 
starts to produce progesterone until um, the placenta takes over. So it like kind of stays there and it looks like a cyst, but it's actually like the corpus luteum. So he was like, oh, I think I can see the corpus luteum where like where your pregnancy came from, but I don't see your pregnancy anywhere. Cause I was like, you know, probably like four and a half weeks at this time. So I was like, okay, cool. But he was like, I don't see any evidence of an ectopic, you know, just the one cyst on your ovary and then move on. What not? I would have moved on, but I am very afraid of cysts because a cyst is a reason that I don't have my other ovary. So I um, got home from the hospital and was like, cool, I don't have to worry about it being ectopic. I called my doctor and was like, hey, um, I need to have an ultrasound because I have a cyst and I want to check it out, make sure it's not the same thing as what my other one was. And so I don't have to have this ovary removed, you know, like, let's make sure it's going away, blah, 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 blah. So I actually went to Bear Lake, I think, during this time. And I was there for the week. Um, It was just bleeding the whole time. So it was like not very fun and whatnot. And just living my life. Um, And then I went to the doctor like the Monday I got back. They did another HCG draw to see if it was like going down. (laughs) And I did an ultrasound um, to look at my cyst. And I was like, okay, cool. This is really fun. I love having a cyst every single time I've had an ultrasound. And like literally every single time I've had an ultrasound in my life, I have had a cyst, which is a weird fact about me. So she's like, oh yeah, I can see the corpus luteum. I don't see any evidence of a pregnancy. So it must've like miscarried all the way already. You know, you're fine. Blah, blah, blah. So I then get a call at like 6 p.m. that night. Um, and the nurse, her name is Susie. She was very nice. She's like very frantic and was like, um, your pregnancy is ectopic and you need to come into the office right now. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> and I called my husband and he's in the grocery store <laughs> shopping. And I'm like, you have to come home right now because I have to go to the doctor um, to basically get a shot that's going to end terminate the pregnancy because the pregnancy is in the wrong place. You know, it's in my fallopian tube, not in the uterus. And my husband's response was like, but I'm grocery shopping. So like, clearly he was not understanding. And I was like, you need to come home right now, you know? So switched off. I went up to the office and yeah. So it turns out I was not crazy when I went to the emergency room and when they looked at my ovaries uh, and that corpus luteum was actually the pregnancy. So uh, weirdly, my ectopic pregnancy was, it was, they could not tell whether it was on the ovary or in the tube, but it was so close that it was like, you couldn't tell the difference. Like it looked like a cyst on my ovary. And so for me, it was huge that I was going to the fertility center, getting checked out and all of this because obviously I would have lost my ovary because it was just so close. If it had ruptured, it probably would have taken my ovary down with it. So I was very grateful. So I went, got, um, you get a dose of chemo drugs it's called methotrexate and you then are really tired and really nauseous for the next week. 
And then you come back in and see if like your HCG is going down because obviously the reason that you have to take something is because if the pregnancy continues to grow, it will rupture your tube and you can have internal bleeding and you would obviously lose your tube and also have a lot of pain, which is not fun. But the big reason that they make you take the drug is because the risk of internal bleeding is so high. So I had to like take the drug and not do anything for the week. Like I couldn't take care of my daughter really um, because I couldn't lift her for fear of it rupturing before the meds had taken effect, you know? So went in the next week to see if my numbers were going down. They had gone down, but just like a tiny, tiny bit. So I had to get another dose of the drug, which is really fun. Um, It's just like my little bit of experience with chemo and I can tell you from that tiny, tiny two doses, it's just like so much like love and respect for people who have done chemo because it's just like really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. I didn't really like it. I'll be honest. It was not a great drug. Um, so I took that and finally like two weeks after that, um, I was able to get a negative pregnancy test it took about like two months to finally get to that point. Maybe I think I actually like fully was done miscarrying about like nine weeks, which is like a really late miscarriage for me. Whereas I like started bleeding at like four weeks. So it was a pretty wild ride. So really, really long. And there was like lots of bad news along the way. Like when you take methotrexate, you actually can't get pregnant for three months after that. And then there was a lot of confusion about whether I could or couldn't do an egg retrieval during that time. Cause we were like, well, the only positive is that we can't get pregnant, but we could do an egg retrieval. This kind of like gives us time that we would otherwise not be using so we could do it, you know, but then we find out that we have to pay for the egg retrieval. And then we're like, do we want to do that? You know, there's just like so much going on so much truly. So, Anyways, long story short, all of this happened. It was such a, it was just a weird thing because I was really given the gift of being able to process in small pieces. Um, And as you'll see, there were many more pieces to come. So I, you know, it's like I processed the fact that there were low HCG numbers. And so I would probably miscarry before I actually started to miscarry. And then when I started to miscarry, it was like, okay, I'm like slowly processing that I'm miscarrying. And then I really started bleeding. It was like, okay, I can accept that this is happening. And then I went to the hospital and was like, I can process that I might have an ectopic pregnancy, you know? And then I didn't. So I was like, okay, I'm fine. Move on to the next thing. And then when they called and were like, it is ectopic, weirdly, I was, I like felt very vindicated rather than like, devastated. I did by the end of my drive, I had hit devastated. As I talked to my doctor on the phone, I was just like sobbing as she told me I couldn't get pregnant for three months and whatnot. And you should know that this all came after about six months of not being able to get pregnant. So we had been trying for like six months before the ectopic pregnancy happened. So we were already like, that's why six months, that's what we had told ourselves was when we would go to the fertility doctor again. So there was already like, there's just like so many levels of sadness and confusion and whatnot. So basically 
then we say, okay, cool. We're going to do an egg retrieval. Um, it's going to be so fun. We're going to stay positive. <laughs> We're going to get some eggs because our goal is to have three kids. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but that's was our goal, right? And so we knew we needed more eggs. We knew now that my ovary was in um, the danger zone because once you've had one ectopic pregnancy, you're a lot more likely to have another. Um, and I only have one tube. And so it was like, it's even more likely that it would be ectopic because it that's the only tube it can come through. And so um, I was like worried about getting pregnant spontaneously. So I was like, let's just do an egg retrieval. And then we can just do transfers and transfers generally stay in the uterus. It is possible, I found out, to have an ectopic IVF transfer, which is really terrifying, but it's very, very unlikely. Um, so then I went and did an HSG, which anyone who's been in the fertility world knows that it's a very painful flushing out of your tubes. My, In my case, it was my tube. Um, so they did my tube and she was like, oh yeah, it's pretty dilated. It looks like it was pretty damaged, which makes sense because my pregnancy had ended up growing not to the size of what a nine week baby would have been. Cause you can like, that's a, a whole baby, like a little gummy bear that would have demolished my tube. Your tube is the size of a toothpick in case you guys have like no reference. Your tube is so small. It cannot support human life. Um, and so she was like, oh, it's pretty dilated. We'll talk to the doctor and decide if we're going to take it out or not. And then somehow it like wasn't addressed again. And I didn't want to address it because I was like way too terrified, you know, because I didn't want to lose it and whatnot. So we ended up doing our egg retrieval. Everything went really well. We actually got like a bunch of embryos um, that are all very genetically healthy, which was like incredible because that was not the case the first time around. Um, and so we were so happy, so relieved. Like the moment that they freeze them for me, like once they get to, to day five and then they freeze the babies, I'm just like, it's just such a relief for me. Cause it's like, okay, they're frozen. Nothing can happen to them now. Like they're all safe. Um, and so then we were planning a transfer for December and the, the um, girl sent me over my calendar for my transfer and I was like, cool. I like had it all mapped out. I was like, okay, I'm going to have my pregnancy before like my test before Christmas. So like I'll know either way, which would be nice and all this. And then I get a call from the doctor immediately after. And she's like, Hey, I am reviewing your two, your HSG in preparation for the transfer. And we have to take that tube out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So like literally just, uh, immediately I'm like, cool. <laughs> so I had my last tube removed in on December 10th. And it was like the end of getting pregnant spontaneously, I guess. Um, I will, I am unable to get pregnant on my own, completely unable. I think the term, the way that I say it, and when I was about to have <laughs> surgery, the doctor was joking with me and she's like, Oh, so this is like a sterilization. And I was like, yeah, it is. Uh-huh. It's going to be great. Um, so I'm medically sterile, cannot have kids, but I'm not necessarily unable to have kids. I'm not like infertile, which is weird. It's a really weird place to be in. Um, if you know anyone else in my situation, let me know. Cause I truly do not know anyone else who, um, has, one ovary and one uterus, which 
weirdly are the only things you need to get pregnant in this day and age. So I lost everything else except for the most necessary things, which I'm super, super grateful for. So anyways, all this to say last year, my fertility journal journey continued to be quite a journey. It was very traumatic. It was like, um, definitely what you would call like little T traumas sprinkled with some big T traumas, like having surgery again for the second time since my daughter was born, having abdominal surgery, like that's like a big trauma. Um, becoming medically sterile, like that's a big trauma. It was really hard. Um, but then there's like little traumas of having to the emergency room. And, you know, there's just like, it was a very strange time where I was able to cope with things because they came kind of one at a time. But it also was like, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, just a lot happened (laughs) in terms of my reproductive system, which is so fun to talk about. Like, what is this? But anyway, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like how I dealt with it and how I am dealing with it because um, in January, uh, we transferred a girl. We're really excited about it and it actually worked, which is incredible. Um, As I'm recording this, I am five weeks, five and a half weeks pregnant, which is really weird to say because people don't talk about their pregnancies when they're five weeks pregnant. Um, At least no one that I know has ever shared with me that they were pregnant at that time. I have shared with many people. I actually told a lot of people that I was pregnant um, before I, not a lot, but before I miscarried was like, I was, I, I did tell people before my ectopic, um, like my mom knew immediately and stuff because I just like couldn't handle life. <laughs> I, I just know, I know what it was like to go through a miscarriage all alone because I did choose to do that once and I will never choose to do that again. Like I will never not tell people who are close to me if I'm around them. So, um, yeah, so I'm very early pregnant, very early. I have such a long way to go. It's overwhelming. It's also very, um, I have a lot of anxiety because obviously both of my, the two times I miscarried were both very early, like right around this time. And so that's like a little bit nerve wracking too. Um, but I think that I've come to this place where there was, there's this quote from a book, um, that I mentioned in our, or I will mention, no, I'm sure that we've already released it. We, I mentioned in my book episode where it's just like, um, when life throws you a curveball, you can hardly do more than just like duck you know, and that's how I felt in the past like six months. It just felt like every, and literally it was about like every two weeks, there was something really bad that I found out, like really bad, like not just like, oh, you had an ectopic pregnancy and you're going to lose your tube in an emergency surgery. Like that would be really bad, but I would still have another tube. Right. But it was like, oh no, we're going to like take away your last tube and you're going to be sterile now. Like it was all just like a a lot to take in and I couldn't even really process it. And so I, it was this weird feeling of like wanting to feel angry, but then feeling like there was no purpose in being angry because it doesn't change anything. Um, And I think that that's what I learned most of all is that 
to allow yourself to really have feelings, I think you have to honor what those feelings are and what their purpose is. And so what I found was that I wanted to be angry because I wanted to just like have fury and like direct it at something and do something about it, but I couldn't. And that was a very frustrating feeling, right? And so I had to turn in and realize that the real thing that I was feeling, I wanted to feel anger, right? I wanted to be in that angry place, but I just couldn't muster it up because it was like, well, what am I going to be angry about? Like this is all over and done with, right? You can't go back in time and change losing your tube. I can't prevent my ectopic pregnancy. I did everything I was supposed to. I went to the hospital early on. If they had caught it, then I would still have my tube. And, you know, I did everything I was supposed to. So it was like, what use is this anger? It's nothing. And so when I let go of the trying to stir up anger, I found that what I was feeling was just a lot of grief. You know, it's hard to lose a baby so immediately. Um, It's not fun, but it's, I think it was doable because I still had a lot of hope in the future and whatnot. Um, But it, it was that kind of feeling of like, being honest with myself and letting go of the hope and just allowing myself to feel the grief. And then when I went to surgery, I remember like Marco pulling some friends and really just having to like, I would Marco pull them. And then I would like have a moment of like really thinking about the fact that like, this is it. I'm like, I cannot have kids spontaneously after this. Luckily, I was in a place where I still, again, had that hope, but I had to give myself time to feel that grief. And so I really learned this lesson of like, don't let those secondary emotions that want to make you feel like you're doing something when really you can't do anything. Let go of that as soon as you can and hold on to that like real true emotion, which is maybe just that you're hurting. Maybe it's just that you feel lonely. Maybe it's just that you're grieving. And maybe that it is that you're truly angry and you can't do anything about it. And it is frustrating. Or maybe it's just that you're scared that it's going to happen again. Or, you know, there's a lot of emotions that come with life and difficult life circumstances. But I think it's allowing yourself to be honest and open with what you are feeling. I remember when um, I was going to do my transfer they do a baseline ultrasound. And when you come in, they have you take a pregnancy test um, because they want to make sure you're not pregnant. They obviously don't want to hurt the baby if they're going to do an ultrasound and whatnot. They want to be aware. And so um, (laughs) the girl was like, okay, I need you to take a pregnancy test. And I literally was like, I don't need to take a test. And she was like, well, it's just like a precaution, you know, because like obviously a lot of people I'm sure have said, I don't need to take a test. I'm here because I'm infertile, you know, but for me, I was like, no, you don't understand. I cannot get pregnant. I have no tubes. And she was like, oh, sorry. You know? And then I walked into the room and I just like lost it crying and then was like, I have to get it together really fast. Cause like someone's going to be coming in to do my ultrasound pretty soon. But it is just, I think it's allowing yourself to have those moments of breaking down and then realizing that like you can tackle life and you can deal with what is coming. I know full well that I could have handled if we had done an egg retrieval and we hadn't gotten any embryos. It would have been so devastating and so sad. 
And I know that I could have handled if this transfer had failed. I would have been so devastated. I would have been so sad. But you can handle whatever life throws at you. That just is like the beauty of life is that things that are hard come and we have to deal with them because that's what we do in life is we are humans and we step up to the plate. We take care of ourselves. We take care of others and we just do what we need to do. And I love that about like the human sense of resiliency, I guess we could say. It really is that resilience, which is saying like, I deal with it as it comes. Okay, I'm coming into surgery today to be sterilized. Cool. What do I do now? You know, it is that idea of like, okay, there are people out there who cannot have biological children, but are they not going to have a happy life because they can't? No, of course not. Because you find happiness in what you can make out of the life you are given, you know? you have a chronic illness, it's the same thing. Like you can't control everything in your life, but you can also control what you can, you know, and you can find places where you can do the work and where you can dig in and make things work in your favor. Right. And I can learn how to slow down and I can learn how to build my family a different way. And I can learn how to have hope in hard moments and, you know, all of this stuff. And so anyways, I think it's just been a good learning experience of bad things that happen are not the end all be all of life. They are part of life. They will come, they will happen. Then the question is, how do I feel what I need to feel and then move forward with it? You know, and how do I have compassion for myself and for other people and create a life that brings me joy and happiness Um, while still being open to the fact that there are going to be painful and difficult things along the way, you know? Um, And so I think I really got through the past six months with no significant like depression or anger or I don't know what else would be bad, but like I really did get through it with, I think like a really like a lot of resilience, I guess. Let's just say that I do think that I got through the last like six months with a lot of resilience of like, we just keep going and we just keep figuring it out because we can sit here and we can cry and be angry um, and say like, you need to change it, but the universe is not going to change something that's happened because it's impossible. And so we really just say, okay, I can sit here and cry because nothing is going to change or I can cry and move forward at the same time. Cause I do think that you have to do both. Right. There were times I cried and then there were a lot of times where I just kept going and being like, what's next? What do we do next? You know, because I can't choose this life. (laughs) And that was abundantly clear because if you think I would have chosen any of that, you'd be wrong because I could, yeah, it would be like having a baby next month, you know, and that would be preferable for sure. Like I would have loved for that to have worked out and whatnot, but that's not what happened. It just is not part of my life story. And so I take the part that is part of my life story. And part of my life story is that I did have an ectopic pregnancy. Um, and I did lose my tube because of that. And that's fine. It's part of my life. And I'm grateful that it has allowed me more space and room to learn and grow. Um, But, you know, it's obnoxious to have, like, two abdominal surgeries. That's just, like, a freaking hassle. I'll be honest. So there are things where I'm like, yeah, that was 
dumb. But there's other things where I'm like, well, now I'm pregnant, so it's all worth it. And and that's true. But if I, even if I wasn't pregnant right now, it still is like, okay, how can I make this worth it for me? Because we must be flexible in life. So TLDR, Jessica had an ectopic pregnancy that caused her to lose her last remaining fallopian tube. And so she had to do another egg retrieval and another transfer, both of which were emotionally taxing and difficult. She also had to have surgery to have her tube removed. And then she learned how to be resilient, how to look forward with hope, whether that hope is in something that good that's going to happen or just hope that you can make your life something better than what it is. I think that that's the beauty of being a human. So I hope this episode made some sense. Do you enjoy it? And I will talk to you guys later. There may be an update to this episode. The weird thing is that I am still so early in this pregnancy. It is wild. Maybe I'll get back on here and be able to cry and be like, this is really hard. Here's what happened. Or I'll get back on here and be like, I'm really happy. Here's where I'm at, you know, about to give birth or whatnot. But just know that life works out either way. Sometimes there's grief and sometimes there's joy. And that's just a beautiful thing in life. So get out there. Have a nice day. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.